Welcome, everyone, to episode number 14 of Polar Opposites. I believe I'm right on that number. We're a day early. Alain and I got to switch the outrage with Polar Opposites. Apparently, Alain's busy today, so Cajun and I were able to flip the script and get Polar Opposites out today. And before I bury the lead, I do want to mention another thing we're going to talk about today, because today is not a rushed episode. we got WNBA playoffs. WNBA MVP was just handed out. We'll talk about Brianna Stewart being a second-time MVP in the WNBA, beating out some very stiff competition, might I add. Cajun wants to predict some champions, some award winners in the NBA, and one of the guys who might really affect the award winners in the NBA, Damian Lillard, finally been dealt to Toronto? No. To the Miami Heat? No. And I want to quickly, before I give away the team, Cajun, implying you haven't seen it already, which you probably have by the time when this comes out, there was an NBA.com article posted on the website, Cajun. It said top four landing destinations for Damian Lillard. Four, Chicago Bulls. Three, Brooklyn Nets. Two, Toronto Raptors. One, Miami Heat. Well, apparently he went to the fifth-ranked team, Cajun, because the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis Antetokounmpo, arguably the best player in the game right now, will be getting one of the best, arguably, I'll say sidekicks, but saying Damian Lillard's a sidekick is kind of an, uh, an understatement. Damian Lillard's going to be a Milwaukee Buck, Cajun. Just Wow. Wow, eh? To think that, you know, Miami was supposed to get him, then Toronto seemed to be getting him, and now all of a sudden you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and Damian Lillard is a big three in Milwaukee. That is going to be a dangerous team. And I guess I should introduce myself. Spencer Byers, Cajun Thiever, Sandy Caslam, if you don't already know. If you don't know, now you know. First reaction, Damian Lillard, newest Milwaukee buck. Whoa. That's that was literally my first reaction. You never thought now kind of rewind this back a little bit. Giannis was on a podcast. Um I think it was 48 minutes. Um Yes, it was. Uh talking about like if Milwaukee didn't get it together and became a championship contend more of a championship contender soon. Then he might, and then he might look elsewhere for championship aspirations. Well, did Milwaukee ever respond? Getting getting Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers, and now this ended. Uh, this was a three-team trade that involved not only the Blazers and the Bucks, but also the Phoenix Suns. So before. Before I go into it, uh, let me let me say the trade details. So Lillard's going to Milwaukee. The Blazers are getting Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, a 2029 unprotected first round pick from the Bucks, which might matter in five it, it, years if 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 Giannis if Giannis kind of declines a bit and then Milwaukee drops off well yeah it, it's a it's a lifetime away you'd expect that's a that's a full NBA contract away cage so yeah you you'd think that things are going to change in 2029 and then i think I, i'll take over now cage it's i'm the host of this show stealing my job giving away all the, the trade details 2023 and 2030 pick swaps meaning whoever has the better first round pick the Blazers will swap it. So if they have the better first-round pick in 2028, they'll keep their pick. But if Milwaukee has a better first-round pick, they'll swap it. That, that's the logic to that. 
So it's three technically first-round picks, DeAndre Ayton and Drew Holiday. No offense to Kamara, but he is really like the smallest piece in this trade for the Blazers. And then the Suns, so again, Milwaukee just got Damian Lillard. There was no other pieces to it. They just got Damian Lillard. The Suns get Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nazir Little, and Keon Johnson. So that's three Blazers and one buck going to the Suns for DeAndre Ayton. So the Suns get well-earned bench, Cajun, which we've talked about a lot about that their bench was going to be interesting, especially now without them with them cutting Cameron Payne. You'd think, I guess, Grayson Allen will take over that role, I'd, I, I guess, from this trade, but that remains to be seen. But, you know, the Suns get well-needed bench. The Blazers come out with two really good players, two all-star caliber players, three first-round picks, and the Bucks get the easily best player in this deal, no offense to Holiday or Ayton, but easily the best player to make that big three we talked about. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say win, 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 but I think I'll say everyone got what they wanted, right? The Blazers obviously wanted NBA talent and draft capital. They got it. The Bucks needed another star to put beside Giannis so they could win. They got it. The Suns needed bench help. They got it. So everyone got what they needed. And obviously, as this year continues, when we see Lillard on the floor, we see Aiton and Holiday on the floor with Scoot Henderson, their their most recent draft pick. We mm-hmm. see the Suns with all this new acquired bench, what they look like with, obviously, Nurkic is probably going to start at center because of Aiton's loss. But still, you know, you can argue maybe Nazir Little or Keon Johnson might start at small forward, you know, yeah. or, you know, fight for that job, right? So... It'll be interesting to see how these teams work, but Cajun, what do you make of the trade now for all three teams? Not just looking at Lillard with the Bucks, but these three teams with what they've been able to uh, been able to acquire. Um, so you stopped short of saying it was a win-win-win trade. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. This might have been the rare win-win-win trade for all three teams, and let me explain why. For Starting with Milwaukee, you had to go for it, especially after what Giannis said, and especially with Milwaukee making drastic moves as they did even before acquiring Dame, firing Mike Budenholzer, and bringing on now former Raptors assistant coach Adrian Griffin. So there was urgency on Milwaukee's part to get a splash of a deal done. And boy, did they ever get a splash of a deal done. And it only and they only gave up Drew Holiday to do so. Yeah, yeah, the first round picks down the line, like they might hurt come five years. They're not talking about five years. They're not thinking about five years down the line. They're thinking about right now. What can we do to win a championship right now? And arguably, you can't find a better person to be on this team than Damian Lillard. Now, he's not the greatest defender, and losing Drew Holiday's defense is going to hurt, but Milwaukee's one of those rare teams where you got Giannis Antetokounmpo, Middleton is a semi-decent defender, and then Brooke Lopez um, to cover up Lillard's deficiencies on the defensive end. The biggest thing was, there are, the biggest thing that's that Lillard is going to provide a big boost to is their offense because 
Come postseason time, a Giannis-led offense was just... It was easier to stop more often than not. We saw it last year against Miami, against the Celtics, against Miami in 2020. And then in 2019 in the Eastern Conference Finals from Game 3 to Game 6 against the Raptors. Um, there was no diversity in that, in that offense. Now you can argue coaching personnel might change that. But you got a you got a guy who can pull up from like thirty to thirty five feet, and you got to take it take Lillard into account. That makes Giannis even more dangerous, and arguably the person that that might benefit the most out of this might be Chris Middleton, because all that focus is going to be on Giannis and Damian Lillard. Middleton's going to get his because all those all that attention is going to be on those two. So that's on Milwaukee's side. And then there's Phoenix. We all knew about the DeAndre Ayton situation, how he was kind of being marginalized in the offense. He had his go at it with Monty Williams, and then Chris Paul gets traded away in the Bradley Beal deal. So you would, you're thinking Beal, Booker, Durant, Ayton's going to be the odd man out. But it didn't take. But it took a while to, for things to kind of like. Uh, it took a while to like come through, but they could not have asked for a better haul for DeAndre Ayton in terms of like depth. Because Phoenix, Phoenix, let's be real, they don't need draft picks and all that right now. They're going for it, and they, but they also got some youth in the process too, with Keon Johnson and Nazir Little. You got a tough three and D guy in Grayson Allen. The biggest risk of this deal is going to be Yusuf Nurkic because of his injury issues. But based on the role that Phoenix is going to ask him to play, I can't see it becoming a better fit for Phoenix. So Phoenix needed depth on the guard, on the guard, wing, and center area. And they got they got exactly that. Now on the Portland side. I can argue that Portland might be a playoff team after this. It might not be crazy to say it because the haul that they got, one, the three first-round picks down the line from Milwaukee, that's going to pay dividends eventually. But then you get a center in DeAndre Ayton who you can argue he's going to get more touches. You might think he'll be a 2010 guy again. And then what more – and then arguably what better mentor – could Scoot and Henderson have than Drew Holiday? Because Drew Holiday is going to teach him the ins and outs of defense because he's one heck of a de- defensive guard. Mind you, they still have Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons. They still got offensive pe- they still got offensive pieces. So I think Portland's rebuild just took a mid just just had a major boost with this with this deal and um they're going to be an interesting team to start off the season in the west so this it's too early to say right now obviously things can change down the line but i think all three teams got what they needed or wanted and that, and that's where I stopped short of saying win 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 cage just because I you know you, you got to see on the floor right you got to wait to see 
what each team looks like with their new pieces. Because right now on paper, all the teams got what they needed. It's just in practice, is it going to turn out the way, you know, it looks like it's going to go on paper? You know, like Lillard, Lillard has an injury history. DeAndre Ayton has an injury history. You mentioned Yusuf Nurkic has an, his, has an injury history. You know, so it's going to be guys staying healthy, guys, you know, fitting in, you know, plug and play, if you will. But I agree. The Blazers had 33 wins this year. I'd be surprised if they don't push close to 40. And if they push close to 40, they'll be right where the Thunder were last year as the last play-in team at 40 and 42. And I know that's weird to say when they lose their best player, but you got to think about Lillard was hurt last year. Regardless of the, the record, he was hurt last year. They now have Scoot Henderson. They now have they now have Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton. You said Anthony Simons. They got a lot of pieces. I think you said Jamari, uh, Jamari Grant. They have a lot of pieces. Jeremy Grant, pardon me. They have a lot of pieces that should be able to fit together to make a play-in team. Playoff team may be a little too far, depending on the way they, they amalgamate. But I think play-in team is easily achievable for the Blazers. And I'll say, this is why you and I haven't done predictions yet for the season. This is why. Because I knew Lillard or Harden was going to get dealt. Lillard has now just been dealt as we recorded this at almost 3 o'clock on September 27th. Harden is still on the board, and preseason starts in basically a week and a half. On October 7th, which is next Saturday, so literally in a week and a half, the NBA's preseason starts. And James Harden in a week and a half should be or needs to be dealt because it's only going to get uglier if he sits out games for the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be more movement. If it's now or if it's a little bit later into October, I don't know. But this is why you and I have been very hesitant on making NBA predictions for the season. Because we, we will make our top six and then the play-in teams and then everybody else. Because like we did that with Al. We're going to do it with you, obviously. And then Al and I got to do our NHL predictions in the coming weeks. I'll probably do it next week with Al. And then two weeks with you, of course, Cajun, once the preseason started. And we see some of these teams kind of put their jigsaw pieces together. But I guess we'll move on now since, again, this is just breaking. There's no other information. I will mention, though, Lillard is under contract for the next five years. Technically four, but five years because he has a player option in 2026-27. So for basically the next five seasons, he's going to be with the Milwaukee Bucks unless they blow it up. And that's the thing, Cajun, with getting rid of draft picks that far in the future, 29, 28, and 2030, is by that point, you know, you you could blow it up. You could decide, okay, you know, Giannis is done. You know, Lillard's done. We're going to blow it up and deal those guys for draft picks. We've just seen KD at, at an older age go for lots of draft capital. We've seen Kyrie Irving go for lots of draft capital. We're going to see James Harden go for a lot of draft capital. So the Bucks could easily, and I think the greatest example of that is the temp, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, trading away all their start, like uh, Westbrook to the Rockets for a ton of draft picks, boatload of draft picks. CP3, boatload of draft picks. Paul George, boatload of draft picks, right? So teams have done it before where they've traded four guys, it not work out, and then immediately deal them for more after. 
So do not worry about those draft picks with Milwaukee because that is not – those picks will most likely be recouped by the time we get there. So for the short term, I think the Bucks are easily the winner, Cage. I think in three to four years, depending on how the Suns end of this deal works with Johnson and Little being the young guys in, in this trade, I think the Blazers could be the, the obvious winners because you got Drew Holiday and, and Aiton's rather young. Former first overall pick, I believe, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're going to be dangerous with Scoot Henderson and whoever else they add with all the young guys they still have on that team, even with getting rid of Keon Johnson and Nazir, and Nazir Little. But it's going to be interesting. Now, with Harden, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, Cajun, before we fully move on from Lillard being traded in this mega deal, is Harden next? I think he has to be next. And if he is next, Cage, where does he go now? Does he go to Miami? Oh, man. Well, you would argue his prefer Now... When Harden demanded a trade, he wanted his preferred team was the Clippers. Lillard's preferred team was the Heat as well. We all saw how that turned out. Now, I'm not saying this without any sort of bias here. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to add any smoke to this, start any smoke to this to this fire here. But based off of how Harden's value is right now, and the fact that this might get ugly the longer this goes if he stays in Philadelphia. It's already gotten ugly. It's now just how ugly is it going to get. Yeah. Toronto might not be such a bad destination. And they don't even have to offer that much to get it. Because of how his value is. It's just more so. It's just more so. Should they go for it? Should they go Should they go for it? And I don't think there's much risk to it either. I don't think there's much risk to it either. Because. You finally get a playmaker. That can elevate everybody else. And also, at the same time, you don't really have to give give up much. If he doesn't want to be there, then it's just like a one-year rental thing. So, I think his dark horse destination is, I I would say, Toronto. Or, say, a team like... can't really think of any or maybe Miami or or like you said maybe maybe Miami and maybe Miami can like transform him like they did with Jimmy Butler now the preferred destination is the Clippers but this is going to be very interesting to see what transpires from this because now Miami with all that that has happened what's going to happen with Tyler Hero because I can imagine all these trade rumors that Hero just went through with with all these with the Damian Lillard saga must have left him absolutely pissed. 
So how do you handle that? How do you handle Hero coming back in? How do you handle Hero? How is Hero going to handle himself given what just happened? So there's a lot of questions more than answers about this entire saga. Does Hero go if if Miami goes for James Harden? Does Hero go back to? Does Hero is Hero involved in it? Does he go to Philly? There's just a lot more questions than answers here, and there's not a lot of teams that really kind of need James Harden or are really a fit. Yeah, like, see, that's my problem, Cajun. But not to interrupt you, is is there a team that needs them that he fits? Because I can't, you know, I can't really find a team that he that need him that he also fits in, right? Like I'm trying to think of a team that need guards. Like Milwaukee didn't need a guard. They made a hole getting rid of Drew Holiday to get Damian Lillard. So unless another team decides they're going to trade their point guard to a team to acquire James Harden, I don't know who would do it. Like Cleveland, for example. Would Cleveland trade Darius Garland and for James Harden? Because I'll be honest, Cajun. I'll be honest. If you said James Harden for Darius Garland straight up, I wouldn't take it if I was the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think the world of Darius Garland. And yeah, yeah I, I probably I probably overrate him. And I might be lunacy for, for t- Matt Take, but I don't care. I like what Garland brings. Garland is a pass-first, unselfish point guard. And that's what some teams need. And I think the Cavs need a guy like that with Mobley and Jared Allen in the post. And you've got, obviously, Donovan, spin to Donovan Mitchell, right? Yeah, and, like, he, and and he's not signing a contract extension before the NBA season, so you got to keep a guy like Garland. And he's young, and he's really talented. And he already traded Colin Sexton to the to the Jazz. Again, speaking to, about the Cavs, but teams like that, like you know, Memphis, even with all the problems they're having with John Morant, they're not going to trade John Morant for Harden. Are you nuts? Trey Young, not going to get traded for James Harden to the to the Atlanta Hawks. Like there's a lot of teams that have guards that aren't going to make that, la- I'll say, lateral move or small step up, like Lillard for Drew Holiday. It's a small step up for the Bucks, Probably bigger than Harden is for any other team, in my opinion, that has a, a talented number one point guard. But, like, you know, who else, like, would the Knicks make that trade and play him at shooting guard or play Jalen Brunson at shooting guard? Like, obviously, Brunson wouldn't be in that deal. But... You know, like, I can't see a team that has a guard that would make this type of move just like the Bucks did. Like, who is a team like the Bucks? do you think, Cajun, that could trade a guard that is all-star when you're trying to get superstar? You know what I mean? Like, make, make, making that small jump up. Because I can't, like, I can't think of one. Like, what, Port, like, what, New, New Orleans? Would you want to go to New Orleans? Of, maybe not in terms of what Milwaukee did, but maybe the Lakers? I mean, maybe. They don't even have really a point guard. But who would they even trade? I guess would be my question at that. At that. And I, I, but I agree with you. That, like the Lakers, again, I think he just wants to go to L.A., Clippers or Lakers. I don't think he's really – I don't think Harden really cares, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, like Minnesota, would the Timberwolves be able to make that kind of swing? Obviously, they wouldn't trade Ant, but, like, could Cat be in that type of deal? Like, I could Gobert somehow get put in that deal to get rid of his money because no one wants Rudy Gobert right now? 
Like it, you wouldn't see giving up trading Harden to see trading Harden and getting getting back Gobert as bad as the money is would not make sense for Minnesota. Would not make sense for Minnesota because having Harden and Towns on the same team defensively is a nightmare, and not in a good way. It gives me nightmares right now, Cajun. Yeah, so I think if a Harden tra- trade happens in Minnesota, Towns is going back. But then again, that wouldn't make sense because Towns and Embiid together. Yeah, how would they fit? And that makes more sense than Embiid and Gobert. Oh, easily, though. Because no offense to Embiid, I don't think he'd like being put just power forward, even though he likes shooting. Yeah. So, yeah, no, Harden's destination now gets way more murky with this trade because now it's like who actually has the capital, has the want, and then who's going to be the third team? Because you got to assume there's going to be a third team. And I've already seen the list of teams that want Tyler Hero, Jazz um, among them, I think, is the, as one of the leading candidates. But, like, Tyler Hero is the get if you trade away, you know, if, if the Miami Heat make a deal. It's, it's Tyler Hero. So if you're the team trading with the Miami Heat and you don't get Tyler Hero, you're losing that deal. Because Tyler Hero is great. He's a really good player. And why Miami keeps trying to deal him, I don't know. I think it's because they know everyone else likes him. He's one of those guys where everyone wants Tyler Hero, right? He's one of the few one of the few players that everybody wants. So they're just kind of using him as that trade ship. But again, as I mentioned with with you many episodes ago, talking about Harden or talking about Lillard going to Miami, you know, if I was Tyler Hero, I'd be very pissed off right now if I was Tyler Hero. Why is my name every week in a new trade? Why is my name every week in a new rumor? Why? I don't either. I don't want to leave here or I do. Pure full stop. And if I don't want to leave, then I tell Pat Riley flat out. Pat, I'm not going anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to sign a contract extension. I want to be here. And he signed and a contract extension. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I thought he did. So, like, it, does, it doesn't make any sense to me why he keeps getting – and now maybe he won't be any more, any more rumors because of Lillard being gone and Pat Riley not seeing Harden as the, as the B to Lillard's A. So I guess it'll be interesting to see if Miami makes a deal to get better, if it's Tyler Hero going out or if they get Harden or what Miami does now, that Lillard's off the board. We'll see what the Raptors do now because they got, again, as we talked about last week, how they were in a bunch of rumors. Literally in my document right now looking at it is Toronto being massively rumored to be getting Damian Lillard. And now all of a sudden he's now a Milwaukee Buck. So what does Toronto do now? Did they make a swing for Harden for some ungodly reason and make a trade with with Philadelphia? See, you know, I'm more receptive to a Harden trade because I don't think they have to give up much because of how his value is. Definitely not more than Lillard. Lillard obviously was the was the top trade piece. I think Harden's easily number two, and it's not close. Well, yeah, but he's not the same player as he was before. Still a great player, but and he's on an expiring deal too. So I don't think I arguably don't, and this might be crazy for me to say, but I don't think I think you can get Harden without giving up someone like OG, Scotty Barnes, or Pascal Siakam, because of one re- because of how this saga has unfolded with Harden. Everybody knows he wants to be gone. 
and his value has dropped low, so low to a point that you're that Philly is better off moving. Philly might be better off moving on by getting minimal value back because his value is at an all-time low. Now, depend. Wait, it it it's to be seen whether he does report to training camp with Philly or just holds out. But if he does hold out, it's going to drive his value even lower. That's why I think Toronto has an advantage here because they have a need at point guard, and it, and I don't think they have to do much to get it. And maybe referring to like the Damian Lillard saga, I'm personally glad Toronto never made a move for Dame because it did not make any sense. Giving up that much, giving up, they would have given up a lot for Dame in the first place. And on top of that, they're not championship contenders. I kind of like how how the, the the roster that that they have and how, and I'm kind of it's interesting to see how Darko Rajagovic kind of works with that team because there was always something off about last year's Raptors team. Basically, from like the middle of the season, right? From like basically yeah. the like first 10, 20 games. Like Scotty Barnes had a bad start, and then it all fell apart from there. Fred Van Vliet shot below 40% at one point. Nick Nurse was in the headlines for the wrong reasons. I feel like he finished the year below 40% from the field, but continue. I'm just trying to figure out if he did. Because Van Vliet had a – we'll say Van Vliet had a rough, rough season, for sure. Yeah. And Scotty Barnes had a, had a rough season, for sure. And now with, like, arguably – arguably, like – now, now, now that the Raptors like are rid of like, are arguably rid of like Nurse and Van Vliet, like making headlines for maybe the wrong reasons. Now they can. Now they're kind of under the radar, and I think that they might catch a lot of teams by surprise. And I guess with Dennis Schroeder, now FIBA World Cup M- MVP, World Cup champion, World Cup champion. Dennis Schroeder, put some respect on this man's name, according to Noah Lyles. I know how you feel about Noah Lyles, but this is it's it's funny to me regardless. Um, but he might not be a better talent over Van Vliet, but I can argue he's a better fit for the Raptors. Better defense, better defense, can pass the ball. Not the greatest shooter, but he can but he can threaten but he's threatening enough from distance. Now, with Gary Trent Jr., Grady Dick. Providing some shooting, OG taking another step forward, Scotty Barnes taking another step forward, another season with Pirtle and Siakam, and I believe it was. I gotta make sure I get this right. Jalen McDaniels, they got. I really liked him. I really liked the fact that they got him with for such a low price. This, along with Precious Achua and Chris Boucher, they got a lot of depth pieces, and I think this. This Raptors team might might catch some people by surprise. They'll definitely be an interesting team to watch, Cage. Now we're going to leave the men's game to a side for now. For now, we'll be back to it in a minute. But we're going to leave it aside, push the NBA aside, because the WNBA playoffs, thick and fast, going into game three, 29th of September. 
So in two days' time, we'll have the th game threes. One team up for elimination. The Aces up 2-0 on the Dallas Wings, winning 97-83 in game one, winning 91-84 in game two. My sweep is still on. Your game four looking a little bit less likely, but still like still possible. Still possible. I'm not trying to bury the lead. But the reason why I say is, my prediction is more likely is because you, Cajun, Theory, Thinny Castle, I'm got to give him his flowers. When we're right, we're right. When we're wrong, we're wrong. Cajun was dead on with his prediction. Sun versus Liberty, Connecticut Sun, New York Liberty. Game one, he said the Connecticut Sun would upset the Liberty in Brooklyn. He would, They would yep. win game one. And I disagreed. I thought they couldn't win game one. They would win game two. And Cajun, they damn did it. The Sun won game one. By a score of 78-63. And then they lost game two, 84-77, just like you predicted. And now they go to Connecticut, tied 1-1. And I think you and I both said five games for this series. The only difference was yep. I said Connecticut wins game two. You said game one. So, Cage, what have you seen from these two series? We'll start with Vegas versus the Wings. I said sweep. You said four games. What have you seen from Las Vegas? They gives you confidence that maybe they could go for that sweep. Asia Wilson. Asia Wilson by far. I believe like after game two, that's now three straight 30 plus point performances in the postseason. She, she, uh, she, she I think she probably took those MVP results personal in this playoff run because 34 points, eight rebounds, four blocks in game one, 30 points and 11 rebounds. In game two, she's she's dominated on both ends of the floor, and the wings have no answer for her. Now, why I think Dallas might take a game is game two, they made things a little bit interesting. And I think talent-wise, they should sweep. The the aces should sweep. But I think there's going to be a little bit of a let up in game three. Because the aces, the wings kind of realized they they hung in there in game two. And that, and that um, they could ride that to a game three win. Now, Asia Wilson could just be Asia Wilson, and the rest of the Aces could be like, "Yeah, screw that, screw that. We're trying to make a statement here and sweep them." But it's not like Dallas is playing. Is not. It's not like Dallas is fodder, even though they're down two. Oh, they're making the games competitive. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, the Sun and Liberty. What I why I thought they were going to win Game One is because of playoff experience. Sure, they got all the Liberty got all the big pieces. John Quill Jones, Courtney Vandersloot, Sabrina Ionescu, and now MVP Brianna Stewart. But the Liberty have not been in this scenario before. Or if they have, they have like it's they have not had that experience at, to the same degree as the Connecticut Sun. So I figured with experience it was gonna bite them in game one. And if it was gonna be a defensive battle, it benefited the Connecticut Sun. And that's exactly what happened in game one. I could argue. I think Connecticut's in a great spot, and I think that might we said we said Liberty in five. It would not shock me if the Sun come away, come away, come out of the series and ruin 
any dreams of a Liberty Aces final. Because you could argue with how close game two was. They could have stole that and went up 2-0. So, yeah, New York got back on track, especially Brianna Stewart, maybe not with the points, but really got it done on the defensive end with five blocks. But and UNESCO got got it going got it going a little bit. It went ten out ten from the free throw line, albeit only made one three. But then there's Duana Bonner that you got to deal with. She had nineteen. Alyssa Thomas, who had more first first place votes. In the in in the poll in the polls, th- only thirteen points separated Asia Wilson, Alyssa Thomas, and Brianna Stewart. She, Alyssa Thomas did not have a great game two. You would think she would bounce back in game three. And then there's Tiffany Hayes had a big game two with thirty points. Game <sighs> we're. We were dead. We were both dead on in the sense that this was going to be a back and forth series. But I'm kind of going to change my pick here. I kind of like Connecticut because of the experience factor. Oh wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So Cajun, you're gonna you're gonna slip up after a week, one week, not even a week, six days after our last prediction. You're gonna. You're going to flip-flop, and you're going to say the Connecticut Sun beat the New York Liberty, I assume, in five games. Or are you saying in four? You're they're winning both in Connecticut. Like, how balls are you getting with this, Cage? You know what? I think they're going to end it in five. So, so you're, you're flip-flopping from winner in five, Liberty, to winner in five, Sun. I will not. I will stay with aces in three, which is, on, which is right now on tap. And then Liberty and five. Because. And what was very telling for me. Was that Connecticut kept game too close. And the longer the series goes along. I think the experience factor. If this does go to a game five. Might benefit Connecticut, Connecticut more than New York. But that's just me. Well, apparently that is just you, but Cajun, flip-flopping his picks. Like to see it, you know? Kind of keeping the drama on the show, Cajun. Like to see it. Like to see it. Well, we'll see if Cajun's new prediction of Connecticut's son over New York Liberty in five does come true, or if his original pick, if he should have stayed pat instead of buying on the Connecticut son. We'll see exactly what turns out. Hey, man, I was dead on with game one. You were dead on with game one, so we'll see if you're dead on with the rest of it. But uh, now on, I'll say the other series, Cage. So you talked about the Aces. I want to mention you said three straight playoff games with 30 points or more, which he does, which where she does, pardon me, AJ Wilson, 38, 34, and 30 in their last her last three games. If you include regular season, Cage, she's got six 30-point games in her last seven. So. AJ Wilson, great ball player. I don't think anyone's disputing that, of course. But still, dominance in the latter half of the season. And we like to talk a lot about getting hot at the right time, which I do think is overplayed a little bit. But still, AJ Wilson's right there. 
getting hot at the right time. But now moving over from the playoffs to the awards. So I'm not sure if we mentioned it last week. No, we couldn't have. It was it was after. AJ Wilson was named the defensive player of the year for 2023. Well earned. She is a great offensive and defensive player. And she gets a defensive player of the year. And I believe it is her second year in a row as the defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. So big up to Aja Wilson with her two P. We'll see if she can make it three P next season. But Cage, MVP voting. Aja Wilson was up for it for a double, up for defensive player of the year and most valuable player. Didn't work out that way. Brianna Stewart, as you as we've talked about, is now the reigning defending 2023 WNBA most valuable player. She beat out her competition, just beat out um, Elisa Thomas from Connecticut by, am I quick maths here, occasion seven total points. She actually did got less first place votes than Thomas did, but because of her second and third place votes, she actually beat out Thomas as Thomas had less second place votes and more third place votes, which swung the total points in favor of, of Stewart. And to mention that, Aja Wilson was six points behind Thomas for second. At So I'll, I'll say the points. Brianna Stewart had 446 points, total points. Thomas had 339 total points and Aja Wilson had 433 total points. So very close top three cage. Four was... Uh, Nafisa Collier from Minnesota. She had 100, 109. So very much a top three in everybody else, Cage. Do mm. you agree, Brianna Stewart, best player in the WNBA this year, or most valuable player, I should say, or would you have voted for Thomas or Wilson? Who was your most valuable player in the WNBA season this year? I'd have to agree and go with Stewart. And because of what the award is, most valuable player. Think about where the Liberty were last season. And up and coming. They were up and coming. But they needed somebody. But they needed someone. And Brianna Stewart was that. Was the missing piece that the Liberty needed. I'm looking at it right now. 23 points per game. Second in the WNBA. Um, on 46.5% from the field. 35% from three. And 85% from the free throw line. 9.3 rebounds per game that it, that was third in the league third in the league Asia Wilson was second Alyssa Thomas was first and then 3.8 assists 1.5 steals and 1.6 blocks so in terms of like numbers you would argue it, Asia Wilson kind of has the edge in terms of number but the aces are content but the Aces had pieces in place. The Liberty were a contender on paper, but they needed to figure things out in order to actually be a contender when it mattered. And Brianna Stewart played a big role in that. So in terms of like most valuable player, I think they got it right. Well, and I also want to mention here, it's the second 
MVP for Brianna Stewart. AJ Wilson's also got two. She was going for, a, again, a two-peat. She last year won the defensive player and MVP. So she was going for a second two uh, second year in a row of winning two straight MVPs and defensive player of the years, which is mighty impressive. But I also want to mention here, Cage, there's one rogue vote. So Brianna Stewart, Elisa Thomas, and AJ Wilson – all got all of the first place, second place, or third place votes except for one. One person of the media put AJ Wilson fourth best in the WNBA, most fourth most valuable in the WNBA, and they put Chelsea Gray of her own team. So one person in the media occasion believed AJ Wilson was not only not the most valuable player in the league, she was not the most valuable player on her own team, putting Chelsea Gray in at third place. And I want to mention Chelsea Gray was nowhere near anyone really in, in this list. She had a total of 23 points. She only had, if I count quickly, nine total votes, one third, five fourth and three fifth place votes. So I'm not sure who that was cage, but I will say objectively they're wrong. No offense to Chelsea Gray, but the best player, the most valuable player on the Las Vegas Aces is Aja Wilson. And there's a reason why, because she's Defensive Player of the Year, and she averaged a ridiculous amount of points per game. She averaged 22.8, third best in the WNBA, only .2 behind second place MVP, Brianna Stewart. Oh, man. We got to see who this vote— We got to see who this— um Rogue vote was? Rogue vote was. Like, now I'm just like, who—, who? Who thought it was a good idea to do that? Who? And again, that's, that's no offense to Chelsea Gray, who is a great player in her own right. But I, one of these things is not like the other Cajun. One of these things. Yeah. And I'm looking right at that rogue vote of putting AJ Wilson fourth, one one vote behind her teammate Chelsea Gray. So, gotta be honest. And I also want to mention here, Cage. Just as, again, I look down the list of all the players that got votes. There are three players that got one vote for fifth place. So got one total point. Courtney Vandersloot of the New York Liberty. Brianna Inescu, pardon me, who got one vote. And then rookie Elijah Boston with Indiana got a fifth place vote for the best player or most valuable player in the WNBA. And she is a great player. And she deserved rookie of the year. Even though the, the the fever obviously were garbage, they won 13 games this year, went 13 and 27. And Boston was their second leading point getter and had eight rebounds a night. But still, putting a rookie in the MVP vote just seems kind of raw, doesn't it? Not necessarily if that's a great all-time great rookie right out, right out the gate. But not but was she, though? Yeah, was no, she, though? No, no. It, if... <laughs> If she was an all-time great rookie right off the bat, which no offense to Elijah Boston, who was great, wasn't. Like it's not. It's not like, say, maybe somebody like Tim Duncan coming out the league as a rookie. Like in terms of like, yeah, I feel you. MVP voting. You could argue he could have been like LeBron James, his rookie or stuff like that. Yeah. Generational players. Yep. Maybe Victor Wembanyama, if the Spurs exceed expectations and beyond. So, Maybe this except- go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Wait, what were you gonna say? 
I was just going to move on. What's, what are you going to say? Will we continue? Yeah. Go on. Okay. We'll, we'll move on, Cage. I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to steal your thunder, Cage. But now, you know, WNBA MVP, done. The Advanced Player of the Year, done. Damian Lillard trade, done. Now we're going to end with our quick picks for the MVP, Coach of the Year, Sixth Man, and Defensive Player of the year and Cajun, I want to add most improved because I think it's a fun award and I like I think it's an award for guys that don't get enough shine normally. And mm-hmm. we are I'm gonna add it there, so we'll do those five awards. Yep. But first, but first, we're gonna do two Scrabble names. I only got two Scrabble names again. Slow business week, even with Damian Lillard's trade. We had three. We, we did three last week, right? Yes, we did. Okay, so gotta change that up now. So you're ready. We got two names this week, Cage. Okay. Make sure I say that again. Two names. First name. U C K N R I. U C K N R I. Tell me when you want a hint. Give me a hint. He was a part of the Damian Lillard trade. Oh, Yusuf Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic is on the Scrabble board. Now a Phoenix Sun. Now a Phoenix Sun. Officially a Phoenix Sun will be probably the starting center for the, you'd expect, title contending Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. And next. I'm trying to remember now where I, where I got this name from, Kate. I don't know why I'm blanking. Like my brain's looking at this name, and I know I picked it, and I know where I picked it from, but my brain can't remember who it actually is. So I'll just give you the name while I go back to the site. K I M S A A. K I M S A A. Yeah. Huh. Have you figured out where you got it from? I'm running right now. I believe I got it from here. Did I not? Doesn't look like it. So we'll go back to here. And did I steal it? Yes, I did. Okay. He plays for a team in the Northern Hemisphere. So it doesn't give it away. Oh, Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam. I can remember. I thought it was a WNBA NBA player for a minute, but I then I went back and I I realized. So he has no contract extension. Uh, Pascal Siakam, who was the player playing for, obviously for the Toronto Raptors, is done after this year. After this year, Cajun Pascal Siakam will be at UFA. So the Raptors need to figure out: are they keeping or are they trading Pascal Siakam, or they're going to lose him for nothing next summer? And honestly. After what had happened with Fred Van Vliet, they gotta figure they they gotta figure out what to do with Siakam and as well as OG Ananobi and quickly, quickly indeed. So now Cage will go quickly to our award winners. We're actually we're actually running pretty good on time right now. I thought we were a little longer, so I don't want we'll, we'll slow down a little bit. I I thought we were a little longer than we were we are right now, so we can you know I can kind of calm myself, calm my nerves if if you will. So yeah. Cage. We'll start with you. We'll go MVP down. 
Who do you think will be the MVP winner of the 2023-24 season? And depending on who you pick will depend on who I pick. Just telling you right now. Hmm. Well, I have two. So if you pick one of my two, I will I will flip-flop. I think you're going to like this one. Jason Tatum. I think he did time. it? I think it's time. You're going to think- me cry, Cajun. I think I think based off of the landscape around the NBA right now, I think this is Tatum's award to lose. Whoa, okay, wait, Cage. Before I say my MVP pick, you gotta, we gotta. Whoa, okay. So Jimmy Butler has just come up with his comment. I was actually gonna go through the NBA players' reactions to the Damian Lillard trade. I just got the alert from Score saying Jimmy Butler is claiming tampering by the Milwaukee Bucks. His his claim was, y'all need to look into the Bucks. So he's saying that Milwaukee tampered in the Lillard trade. Do you think that's just sour grapes before we continue? Because that's a mighty big claim. Like, that's a damning claim from J- Jimmy Buckets. Was there any laughing emojis to this? No, I, I genuinely... No, he put it like IG. I'll, I'll listen to it right now, Kate. Go ahead. Oh. No, no, that was fully serious, Jimmy Butler. Like, he is, like, dead serious. Like, you guys need to look in the box, man. Like, I didn't hear it from me, but look into the box. Yeah, I literally just saw it. Um, yeah, so I, I'll, you know what? In the cage, I'll do, I'll do it this way. It's not going to sound great, but I'm going to play it through my microphone because you and I don't have the capabilities of playing it other than that. So well, I, I will. What's sorry? I just played it. I, I literally, like, heard it. Oh no no! I'm gonna play it for the audience, so we don't we don't okay. bury the lead cage. Okay, so we're gonna do this. Just give me one second. I'm gonna do a little bit. All right, cage. So Jimmy Butler on what he believes with the Bucks and Lillard trade. Yo NBA man, y'all need to look into the Bucks for tampering. Y'all do. I'm just gonna put that out there. Y'all didn't hear it from me, but I heard it through somebody. Y'all look at them for tampering. So obviously hear all the background noise. Obviously Jimmy Butler's, you know, at a party or something at his house. But Butler, that's a damning statement by Jimmy Butler. Darius Garland posted a uh, the the thinking man emoji with the, with the hand under his uh, hand under his uh, under his chin. That was Garland's reaction. Oh man! Like everybody seemingly, you know. Oh, Grayson Allen reacted. Bucks fans, this is the last number change, I promise. And then he just put lull. He, he quote tweeted himself and just said lull. <laughs> so I love Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen is a, is is definitely a, a prickly player, but he's funny. Yeah. Oh, Josh Hart put Christmas at the Lillard house. Uh, oh, no, Christmas at my house and add Damon Lillard. So obviously Josh Hart, fan of the trade. Mm-hmm. And then Channing Fry put out his grades. Portland, A+, Milwaukee, A, Suns, B, can turn into an A if they continue to grow the roster. And then Channing Fry also continued by saying, Drew Holiday to the Heat or Lakers, I'm calling it now. So Channing Fry thinks the Blazers aren't done yet. You know, that's just, again, and then Jimmy Butler, as we talked about. So I'm not trying to move off of the the, the NBA, top, the M- MVP topics and stuff, because we will, we will continue that. 
But some some interesting comments from the NBA players after that trade. Not the reaction I expected, Cajun. That's what I'll say. Not the reaction I expected. Yeah, and, and, and this came out of nowhere. I was like, wait, whoa, what? Because you didn't. Nobody thought that Milwaukee Bucks would have been would have been the team that got Damian Lillard. Well, no one would have thought they traded Drew Holiday. Yeah. Um. So that is a damning accusation from Jimmy Butler. But at the same time, Jimmy Butler ain't that type of guy that would just put it out there just for just for the fun of it. Just for kicks, yeah. He definitely like, and he said, "Don't you didn't hear it from me?" So obviously, he must know somebody who told him something. And again, he is a Miami Heat player, so that is again where I said sour grapes. Because is it sour grapes? I don't think so, but it very well could be. You know, we do have to kind of mention that 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 narrative. Based off of the team that he's on and the fact that Lillard preferred Miami, yeah, you could say it's sour grapes, but like that's like. You can't, like... It's an accusation that it's uncharacteristic. And you definitely got to think, like, It's uncharacteristic for Jimmy Butler. Now, he did come out in the media about, like, how the Timberwolves were. And turns out he was right about them. Turns out he was right about them. And when he went to a team that actually respected him in the heat, his fortunes changed quick. So, it's it's a hell of an accusation to make. But looking at the landscape of this, there might be some merit to it. But will the NBA do anything about it is the better question. If there is any smoke to this, if there is any merit to this, what does the NBA now do to it? Well, I guess we'll see if I guess we'll see if the NBA does invoke an investigation, and then we'll see if there's anything found in that investigation. But again, they got to start the investigation. They got to do all the steps, and then we'll see if anything comes out of it. Um, I would say it's, go ahead. And I'm like, maybe unrelated, but I'm looking at Twitter right now, like kind of looking at Grayson Allen's tweet. And then there was like game switched up from Miami to Milwaukee real quick. But you're telling me the Raptors couldn't match Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen, SMH, Masai fumbled yet again. And I'm hearing a lot from the Raptors fan base about calling for Masai's head. Now you can kind of say about whether... He mishandled the Fred Van Vliet situation. Now, let's be real, he did. That front office did. Definitely. But yeah. How do I say how did I say this nicely? Um I'm not gonna say it straight up, but the Raptors fan base on Twitter. You lost your damn minds. <sighs> I think that's polite. I can't I can't say what I want to say. I cannot say what I want to say because no, no, come on, Cage, come on, you got to say it now. You, you can't, you can't just leave us there. You just, say it, me, just say it, just say it nicely, Cajun. Say, say, act like you're saying it to like an eight-year-old. You know, say it nicely. See, I can't. See, 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 the reference that I have, it won't make sense. Um, um, let's just say, a certain mean tweet about Demarcus Cousins, or from mean tweets about Demarcus Cousins. Calling him an emotional crybaby, just to put it nicely. Well, I, I was thinking you also could just use the uh, d- d- uh, Westbrook meme. Uh, yeah, I could, I, I could use that. Just talking about me. I could have used, I could have used that, but hey, this no, is hello. 
Y'all tripping. But this, this is funny. They're a bunch of emotional crybabies. Let's just put it that way. Let's just put it that way. Well, I don't disagree. They are Raptors fans, you know. So I don't disagree, Cajun. I'm fully on that camp. And 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 this is a Raptors fan saying this. I'm like, y'all tripping. Well, as a Celtics fan, I completely condone what Cajun just said. I I back and I agree with what Cajun just said. I also agree with Cajun's MVP MV N MVP. Again, I knew I kept saying it wrong, but my brain just disagree with me. MVP pick of Jason Tatum. He was one of my two Cajun. So now I oh, want to really? pick him really bad to agree with you. Now, now I'm curious to what your second pick was going to be. So I will also say Jason Tatum wins the pick because obviously Homer, duh. I was hoping he'd say somebody else so I could just go full Homer and absolutely just yeah, go, I'll say full character, caricature, full gimmick, and just absolutely just, you know. Yeah, but I threw it. a wrinkle in those plans. Yeah, I know you did. So you know what? I'll do it anyway. Tatum, MVP, going to be easy. He averages like 33 a game. He's going to be an absolute star like he already is. First team All-NBA. He might even be making the defensive team how good he is. He's so talented, so good. The Celtics are going to be, even with Lillard on the Bucks, going to be the best team in the East. Got no doubt about it. And even if they don't and they come in second again, they're going to walk the Eastern Conference and they're going to be back in the NBA Finals where they should have been last year. Hello, hello, Caleb Martin. Yeah, we'll see if the Heat make it this year, Cage. We'll see if the Heat make it. See if they may make it actually in the playoffs here. I'll make it in the play-in. But my other pick, based off of based off of what they did in last year's playoff run, nothing will shock me about the Heat. Well, you know, Cage, I just made another thought. So I'm going to mention two other players that could be in the MVP conversation. Okay. One was Luka Doncic. He was my second pick. Even with Kyrie Irving, we know his availability. I'll say issues, but just the way he. Kyrie Irving in general. I'll just say Kyrie Irving, and I think you get the point. Yeah. You know. See, that was a good see, – see, he's second to me. See, that's what I mean. I, I think Dodge should be right there. I think my dark horse pick – I said Tyrese Halliburton. I love Tyrese Halliburton. I, I, I do like him. He's not my, not my dark horse pick, but I really like him. I do. It's SGA. I think Shea Gillis-Alexander, if the Thunder can be a 45-win team, make like fifth or fourth in the in the West – I think SGA could be right there, top three, top four in the MVP voting. I think he'll be right there. Honestly, I can see that. I think my dark horse, and I said this a little bit beforehand, Devin Booker. Because somebody's going to have to handle that point guard role, and Devin Booker has done that before, before they got CP3. If he handles that playmaking role well, and still averages a good amount of scoring, and Phoenix is, is like at the top of the West. I can very well see Devin Booker winning this. Like I can very well like you can argue that Devin Booker will get some love. I I don't even know if he'll be the best player on his team, let alone the MVP cage. But I don't disagree that Devin Booker is obviously a great player. Now we'll go to Coach of the Year cage. Who do you think will be the Coach of the Year? For 2023-24. Well, this team's going. This team, I think, is going to take a big step forward, and I argue they did last year. But injuries kind of got in the way. Otherwise, they would have either been a playing team or a playoff team. Rick Carlisle. I think Rick Carlisle is going to with Indiana. Yep, with with the Indiana Pacers. I think Rick Carlisle is going to lead this team to the to this playoffs. If health if health goes their way, and is going to remind people, y'all must not know. Who I am. Uh, he, he's gonna be like, I want y'all to know that we back on we we back on the map. Um, and he's already a great coach. 
He's already been a great coach, won an NBA title with the Dallas Mavericks. But what he's doing with Indiana is nothing short of amazing. And I think the results will start to show in terms of like the Pacers. They're going to improve even more. And I think Rick Carl should get the brunt of the love there, even with Tyrese Halliburton in the picture. Well, I want to mention this, Cajun. Mike Brown is the reigning defending coach of the year with the Sacramento Kings. He, to mention this, Cage, just, just for your knowledge, he was the first unanimous coach of the year ever. Wow. Ever. Wow. Unanimous. Like unanimous coach of the year, Mike Brown. I don't I don't I never disagreed with him being coach of the year based off of how Sacramento improved dramatically. But unanimous, damn. Unanimous. Unanimous coach of the year. I also want to mention this. So Rick, Rick Carlisle is a recipient of coach of the year. But how many times do you think he's won it? I know I know this is a make just putting trivia out here, but I, I want Cajun to guess because this is wild to me. Once? Do you know when he won it? He has won it once, only once. Do you know when he won it? If you, it? if you can even guess the team he won it with, I'll, I'll be impressed. The Pistons in 2003? 2001 02. Detroit. Oh, Pistons. so you were right somehow. He never won it with Indiana. He never won it with Dallas. He only won it with the Detroit Pistons, a team that no one really remembers him coaching before I was born, even. Or I guess the year I was born, 2002. Mm-hmm. So that is astonishing. So Lurk Carlisle, I like the shout. Um, Trying to go through teams that I think could have a really good season and have a coach, because usually it's not the coach that it has the best record. It's normally the coach that has the best improved team, right? Maybe OKC's coach. That's why Mike Brown, I, I thought OKC would be right there. I love her Carlisle with Indiana. That's why I think Indiana's a great pick. Um, Maybe Chauncey Billups with the Portland. You know, if they don't trade Drew Holiday, or if they do trade Drew Holiday and they get a bunch of young guys back, you know, maybe, maybe the Portland Trailblazers are a real better team and, and, and Jonathan Phillips could get a shout for that particular award. Um, just again, looking through the teams, trying to think of their coaches, trying to think of teams that I think could be improved and just have, you know, that aura around them. Yeah. There's a lot of teams. There's a lot of coaches on new teams that I can argue could make, could very well be a, Coach you know what? Year. You know what, Cage? I think I got my t- I think I got my name. And it's okay. gonna be a name that you're not gonna like. And it's way to left field. So I don't, don't really I'll say I don't really expect this one, but I want to say it to say that he could be up for it. Because I think the Nets could be really good. Jacques Vaughn with the Brooklyn Nets. They could really surprise people because no one thinks they're gonna be any good. They trade away all their stars, they somehow stayed in the play-in. But I think that's the thing, is they stayed in the playoffs. Even though they traded away all their stars and everyone thought they were going to fall off, including myself, they didn't. Yeah. And they still got Mikhail Bridges. They got a lot of young guys. I think Jacques Vaughn could be right there for the coach of the year because I think Brooklyn's going to surprise some people in the East. And he'll be right there, Cage. Right there for coach of the year. Okay. And I will also mention this, Cajun, because this is another fun fact. No non-American has ever won coach of the year. Mike D'Antoni has won it twice, but he's American and Italian, so I don't count that. No 
fully European coach has ever won Coach of the Year. The only coaches of the year have always been American since the award was since the award was started in 1962-63 season. I guess they're the world champions in terms of Coach of the Year, then. Apparently. Poor Italy doesn't get any shouts here, eh? Huh? Apparently Italy, you know, doesn't get any doesn't get any qualification with their half ethnicity there with D'Antoni. Yep. <laughs> but I guess we'll see if the first European coach comes soon with Darko Ryakovic joining the league and, and other European coaches getting some getting some buzz, getting some looks. See, see, we'll see that if might, they make the jump. See, you can call me crazy for this. That might be my dark horse. I if agree with so- you, honestly. I, I was gonna say him. I, I agree. Thousand percent, Cage. I'm with you. Darko Ryakovic with the Toronto Raptors could be up for the award if the if, Raptors really improve, which they could. Exactly. And now on to the next one, Cage. Sixth man of the season. I'm going to go first. I think it's rather cut and dry, to be honest. Chris Paul, Golden State Warriors. Hmm. I think he's going to play a lot more than people may think, trying to get Clay or trying to get Steph some more time off. I think they could play him. I think they could play Curry off ball and take Clay off for some minutes. I think it'll be CP3 for six man of the year. But is he what going to off the bench for sure? Is Steph going to play the two? Like that's I, my. I I think I don't think he starts. I don't think he starts. I think he's six man of the year. Cajun, who do you think will be six man of the year? Dude, this is tough. Um, see, I would agree with Chris Paul. But it only depends on if he's actually going to start or come off the bench because, like, my worry is, like, what is Steve Kerr going to do with this lineup? Like, will he even have enough minutes to be in contention for six man of the year? That's my only concern. Um, But if that is the case, I do have to agree with you. I mean, I think it just makes way too much sense for Chris Paul – to ultimately take home this award because he's going to play a lot of minutes and he's going to, he's got a chip on his shoulder to show people that he's, he's still a heck of an NBA player. And he's had a history of making great first impressions with new teams. Clippers are one example. The Hornet back when the, back when the Pelicans were the Hornets, the Phoenix Suns, well, the OKC Thunder making the playoffs despite being projected as like a lottery team. And then the Phoenix Suns making it to the NBA Finals in his first season. So it would not shock you. And now if, and I'll say this, if Chris Paul does start for Golden State, which I don't think he does, and is not eligible for the sixth man of the year, I think Sacramento will get it. And I say Sacramento because I'm looking at their guard play. Other than De'Aaron Fox, I don't know who starts a shooting guard. Is it Chris Duarte? Is it Kevin Herter? Is it Malik Monk? Is it Donovan Mitchell? I don't know, but I'll tell you, whoever doesn't start... What? You mean Davion Mitchell? Davion Mitchell, pardon me. Baylor's own Davion Mitchell, who I loved at Baylor, by the way, under Coach Scott Drew. Anyway. I don't. Whoever doesn't start at shooting guard is going to win it. If it's Herder, it's going to be Monk. If Monk starts, it could be Herder. It could be Duarte. So I like whoever doesn't start at shooting guard for the for Sacramento. 
I think it'll be Herter because of the defense. So I think Monk will be the sixth man, and I think Monk will win it if CP3 does not if CP3 starts. I got a couple of names that might be out of left field here. How about it? Now the Lakers just signed this guy. Are you really going with the undrafted guy? Are you really doing Gabe Vincent? No. No, not Gabe Vincent. Who are you thinking then? Christian Wood. You don't think Wood starts? Well, it wouldn't make sense for it. I don't think I don't think he does. Because well, not be- Who starts then? Like AD at center. AD at center. I think Hachimura is going to start at the four. Because well, I, I love Rui Hachimura, former Gonzaga. I think, I think they found they, the Lakers found something with him at the four. I don't think they're going to go away from that. And they just signed Wood very late into free agency. Mm-hmm. LeBron at the three. You would you would think I would have said Austin Reeves at sixth man, but I think he's going to start at the two. Yeah, I, he'd probably start. I agree with you. And then D'Lo. Somebody's going to have to pick up the bench scoring. And Wood can get buckets. And if he continues that, you could argue like he has an outside shot of winning sixth man of the year. And now, my other pick, and this really depends on if he starts or is, is coming off of the bench. But Gary Trent Jr., He's got the firepower. He's got the firepower to get buckets off the bench. Injuries for him, I think, is what will dictate a cage, too, because he's had some problems with injuries recently. Yeah. And the fact that he's – the fact that – um, and he had friction with co- with head coach Nick Nurse, too. The fact that he's – that Nick Nurse is out of the picture now, I think, elevates his game even more. So depending on if he starts or comes off – if he does come off the bench, watch out for him. And if, he's well, and if he's healthy, I completely agree. Now, we're going to go to Defensive Player of the Year. And as I quickly look up the winners of the award most recently, winner being Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. I also want to mention, this award is really new. It, it didn't start until 1982-83. So it is a relatively new award to mm-hmm. the uh, NBA. Yep. But anyway... So Jaron Jackson Jr. is the most recent winner. Marcus Smart won it the year before that. And obviously Rudy Gobert has been a winner multiple times. Javon Green's won it. Giannis and, and Kawhi Leonard most recently have won it for the award. I don't think Jaron Jackson Jr. repeats. No, I don't think he does. I don't think Marcus Smart gets it again, but I think he could with Memphis. I think That's my dark horse. I, I would not disagree with that. Because I think it like, and I think like his biggest impression is gonna come in the 25 games without John Morant. If Memphis holds sir, if Memphis holds their ground, especially on the defensive end, and and is a better is a top three team in the West when John Morant comes back and is great on the defensive end, you could argue Smart Smart should get some love. I I think he will anyway. Cause I think Marcus, I think the world of Marcus Smart again, Celtics fan in me um but my pick for dp o o y 
It's going to be a dark horse pick. It's going to be a pick I don't think you like, Cajun. Okay. But it's going to be an Indiana Pacer. Miles Turner? It's going to be Miles Turner. He is really good in the paint. Had eight, had his career high in points last year. I know, again, it's a Defensive Player of the Year award, but I feel like the voters do take into account if they're only good at defense, but also good at offense. I do think the voters take that into account. He has a league in blocks, just in a small sample size. I think he could do it again. And if he leads the league in blocks, which I think he can, I think Miles Turner will be in contention to win the Defensive Player of the Year. I actually kind of like that pick. I actually kind of like that pick. My only question is health for Miles Turner. I I agree. The the health does worry me, but I I, I just think you'll be able to stay healthy this year. I think I think the Pacers are going to be able to manage the minutes with all the guys they picked up, and I think they'll be able to do it. Is the hope? Mm-hmm. Now, my pick is a Milwaukee Buck. But not the but not the name that you think about. You're going Brooke Lopez. I'm going Brooke Lopez. He's really transformed. He has really transformed his game ever since his Brooklyn Nets days, back when he was a low post anchor. Um, it's a reason why Milwaukee is a power. Like you can argue, like Giannis being Giannis is why Milwaukee is like is a playoff powerhouse. But they didn't really take that leap forward until they acquired Brooke Lopez. And the minute they acquired Brooke Lopez, they became like an Eastern Conference Finals mainstay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a great season last year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think with Lillard in Milwaukee, well, that remains to be seen now in light of Jimmy Butler's tampering comments mm-hmm. remains to be like if Lillard is on that team, somebody's going to have to make up for his defensive deficiencies, and I think that helps out Brook Lopez in that sort of sense. Well, I have one more pick for you, and I think you're gonna love it. Okay, it is the newly crowned fan, or uh, I'll say fan of the show, but and fairly new fa- uh, fan of ours on the show. Game uh, while playing for Team Canada at the World Cup, the self-proclaimed best defender in the NBA. It is the newest $20 million man in Houston. It's Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. Guards I, don't normally win it. And, you know, the, the outlier there is Marcus Smart most recently. Triple J winning it this uh, the year uh, this year. Then Gobert a couple times. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Draymond Green, Giannis Antetokounmpo most recently. Then you go back, it's all basically all centers and big men. So Marcus Smart is the first guard to win it since. And I'll generally go back. I don't think Ron Artest counts because he's a small forward. It was Gary Payton in 90, 95, 96. Yep. So it's been a while since guards win this award. I think Dylan Brooks could do it. If they're not going to give it to a big man like Turner, as I mentioned, I think they'll give it to Dylan Brooks because of how good he showed it at the World Cup. If he can play that good in the NBA, I know the physicality a little different because of the fouling, fouling, but I think Dylan Brooks could do it. Genuinely think he could do it. You know what I – I think there's a lot of competition for the Defensive Player of the Year award. I could argue if he's coming off of the bench and he continues that play from FIBA, maybe, just maybe, 
Sixth man of the year? If he's off the bench? And then if he starts, he'll be DPOA. Or DPOY, pardon me. Yeah. So it, it also depends on how much better Houston gets. I agree with that. If Houston and then, gets that much better, then you got like Dylan Brooks's name is on is on the radar. So definitely, it, it depends on the Rockets' team success. Definitely agree with that. Now we're gonna end it off with most improved player. I have my pick. Cage, do you want to go first? Who do you think will be the most improved player this season? You know what? I'll let you go ahead on this one. You'll let me go ahead? Well, I have my pick. And I think it's a cheeky pick. And I can definitely see this one blowing up in my face. But I got to go with it. It's a Canadian. It is a 20-year-old young man who had a great end of the year with the Portland Trailblazers and the guy who's going to fill the gaping hole that Damian Lillard just left in Portland. It is Shaden Sharp. He averaged just under 10 points a game last year at 9.9 a night. He played all, he played 80 of the 82 games, started 15 of which he played 22 minutes per game. If he does that again, he will score and have a lot more makes than he did this year. He only attempted eight field goals a game. He shot 42% from the field, 36% from three. I think with that efficiency and without Damian Lillard, he's going to have a lot more fight in the offense, even with, Scoot Henderson, and I think Shaden Sharp is going to have a great season this year with the new-look Portland Trailblazers. See, I think he's going to have a great season, but I think what does hurt him is the fact that not only is Scoot Henderson in the picture, but what if Drew Holiday's still in the picture? What if Drew Holiday's still with Portland? Then there's Anthony Simons you got to worry about, and then DeAndre Ayton. There's going to be too many mouths to feed now with this Blazers offense. I don't know if Sharp's going to break out in the same fashion that I, that maybe if Lillard was traded to another team and they got lesser pieces back. I don't know if Shaden Sharp's going to get those – he's going to improve, but I don't think to that degree just yet. But I do like where you were going in terms of, like, the Canadian aspect of the thing, a uh, 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 Canadian aspect of this, because my pick is also a Canadian. Ooh, but it's from the East. Benedict Matherin. Ooh, he had a great year, though. You think he's going to get, you think he's going to take that much of a step forward? Well, now, now, barring if they, if the Pacers deal Buddy Healed. If they deal Buddy Healed, Benedict Matherin is going to take a major step forward. You could argue he could be in that 20 point per game scoring range. And if he's more efficient, if he's more efficient and the Pacers are a playoff team like like we're like we might predict them to be, I think Matherin's gonna get Matherin might take this award. Well, how about this, Cage? I have another player that I don't know if he qualifies because he didn't play last year. He didn't play a single game last year. And I loved him in his draft. Also a part of the 2022 draft class. Holmgren? Chet Holmgren. I don't know if he qualifies though. I don't know if he qualifies either because of the injury, but if he does, then I want him. I think Chet Holmgren, I think the world of Chet Holmgren, I think he'll have a great year with Oklahoma City, even with all the mouths to feed in Oklahoma City. I like his defensive potential, and I like his offensive upside. And now this pick. And this pick I'm a little tentative on because of how much 
usage he had of this pri- prior team. But I'm just thinking as the number one option now with his new team, he will be a star. It is Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. He averaged 20 points a game in about half starts in Golden State. Played all 82 games, had 43 starts. He averaged 20 points a game. I think as the number one option in in Washington, I think he could easily eclipse that and get as close to 28 points a game. See, I can see that. I can see that happening. And I think he could be the most improved player because I think he could go from being a bench to starting guard to a 28-point scorer. And that will put him into the most improved player conversation. You know what? I agree with that. Um, now, this is my dark horse feel from way out of left field. And we mentioned this guy's name a lot on this show, especially today. But based off of how his tenure ended in Memphis to his FIBA days, I think he's going to know that he's going to let people know he's back on the map. Dylan Brooks. Really? Well, based off of how his tenure ended in Memphis, everybody thought he was a bum. And then the FIBA World Cup fixed it for you and I. Yeah, but hasn't fixed them fixed it yet for the NBA. I think he's gonna show show people show people what who he really is. It wouldn't shock it wouldn't shock me if he say if you if he averages say seventeen points per game on efficient shooting. And Memp and Houston's a better team. And he's close to DPOA or DPOY, pardon me. Yep. Then maybe, just maybe. And it's based off and it's based off of like the narrative. And I'm basing it off of the narrative of how the media and NBA fans, even us, viewed Dylan Brooks after the first round playoff playoff loss to the Lakers. If he bounces back, I'm like, hey, that's a name. That's a name to look out for too. No, don't worry, don't worry, folks. We're not the Dylan Brooks show here. No, we're not, but we're definitely Dylan Brooks fans now. From what we saw at the FIBA World Cup. Yeah, man. Especially 30... he plays that way in Paris. Hey, man, Fran- Canada franchise high 39 points. I think it might be a FIBA record. Well, it did damn close to occasion in a 40 point game. Like that's a lot of points. To to the USA, nonetheless, that that makes it even sweeter. And that it could even get more sweet, just a little bit. World champions of what? North America? Nope. <laughs> I mean, they're they're right now the number one ranked team in FIBA somehow. So you know, I guess they're uh, the winners of that. Uh, that don't mean anything. Not until it matters. Well, it'll mean something to them, I think, Cage. You know, they they are definitely up on their high horse. But, That's pretty nicely. But anyway, in spite of that, I think that'll be it here for us, Cage. We've run out of yep. topics. We've almost run out of time. So I think that'll do it for Cajun, Firu, Danny Castle. I'm Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for taking us in here today. Episode 14 of Polar Opposites. We'll see you about next week. Same time, same place here on the Outrage Inc. Peace.